0: Open your Bibles with me, if you will, to Exodus chapter 20. And we're going to be looking at verses 8 through 11 today uh, as we continue our journey through the Ten Commandments. And today we come to a commandment that um, I don't know exactly how to describe it in terms of the, the, the church's disposition toward it or, or how it's kind of handled. I think it's kind of changed over the years, certainly, in terms of how it's been uh, dealt with or appreciated or followed, if you will. But I I would say it's kind of, I won't say second tier, but it's kind of one of those commands that just doesn't get as much focus as the others. And I I think a big part of it is because it's kind of a passive statement remember the Sabbath. It's not do not do this or do this. It's just remember the Sabbath, keep it holy. And and so we kind of think about that and we're like, okay, I can kind of do that. and we kind of go about our lives. We don't really give it a second thought, I think, in a lot of ways. It's exactly what God is calling us to. But I think that as we look at this command and we look at what's here, I think we'll discover that that it actually does serve a very significant purpose in who we are as, as the people of God and, and kind of what God expects from us. But how important is it? And, and where should it fall in terms of what we do? When, when I was in high school, I had the, the privilege uh, of, Making my first international trip to Jamaica. Junior in high school, my dad was doing some work there, and the company that sent him there they said you can bring your family out for a month during the summer, and so my mom and I uh, got to fly down there and, and spend a month there. And as we were driving around the country, uh, we drove past a church, and it said Seventh Day Baptist on the sign, and and I'd I'd never seen that before. I mean. Uh, you know, I'd been in church my entire life. I, you know, lots of churches kind of in my area and so forth. And I'd seen lots of different types of churches, but I never saw a Seventh Day Baptist church, and that intrigued me. What, what, what is that all about? What are, what are, what's, what's their deal? And they were a Baptist church, they're a Baptist congregation, but they believe that you should worship on the Sabbath, on the seventh day. Uh, and that was really kind of the first time that I, that as a as a believer, I kind of stopped and gave a second thought to this whole issue of this particular command and, and what's going on. Um, so let, let's look at it and see kind of what God says here, and, and let's hopefully we can derive some, some conclusions that are helpful to us uh, in understanding. So beginning in verse 8, remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God, to Yahweh your God. On it you shall not do any work. You or your son or your daughter, your male servant, your female servant, your livestock, the sojourner who is within your gates. For in the six days Yahweh made heaven and earth, the sea and all that is in them, and rested on the seventh day. Therefore Yahweh blessed the Sabbath day, and he made it holy. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, as we look at this word, as we look at this communication to us, God, I pray for wisdom, I pray for for clarity for each one of us in our walk and in our journey uh, of faith to, 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 again, better understand who you are and who we are as your people. And, uh, Lord, we just are, are so thankful to you for uh, your goodness and your mercy. And it's in Christ's name I pray. Amen. So generally when we think about the Sabbath, we think about um, you know the fact that we get Saturday and Sunday off. And uh, that's not always been the case in American tradition, in American history. Actually, um, the, the the whole process began early in the 20th century with labor unions, uh, as labor unions uh, who were a mixture of Jew and Christian started to ask for the day off so that they could observe worship. That became more and more the practice, and and really it was Henry Ford who really moved it into the limelight within uh, American history and American culture when he, uh, you know, being Head of Ford Motor Company and so forth decided to give both Saturday and Sunday off. And that became the norm uh, at that day, in that time. And he established the 40 hour work week and all of that. He was a major mover in this particular issue. Um, But beyond that, again, as I've said, I don't think we really give this a lot of attention. Um, So I I guess the first question we need to ask is what is the Sabbath? What do we mean by that? Well, the word itself means rest. Okay, that's what the word means. It means Shabbat means rest. It, it, it's a call. It's a claim to 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 just stop and and just find refreshment. Just find a, a cessation of activity. That's what the word itself means. But um, we also recognize, uh, at least I hope you do, that Sunday is not the Sabbath. Saturday is the Sabbath. Um, I was talking to a colleague of mine at the school this past. Uh, just a couple weeks ago, and uh, he made the comment something along the lines of, of keeping the Sabbath, you know, on Sunday or something like that. And I said, "But Sunday's not the Sabbath." And here was this—he's a—he's a PhD. He's uh, been in church, you know, a lot of his life and so forth. And he's like, "Really?" He—he he was surprised by that. He was caught off guard by that by that realization, by that revelation that the seventh day is actually Saturday. Uh, we worship instead uh, on Sunday, which is. The Lord's Day. It's a it's a recollection. We'll talk about that a little bit more um, of, of the fact that Christ rose from the grave, and so that's when we celebrate. That's when we recognize. So if Sabbath is Saturday, and it means rest, and you have some pretty clear expressions here, don't work. Okay, I mean I mean God's pretty thorough here. Don't do any work. Not you, your son, your daughter, your male servant, your female servant, not even your livestock. Or somebody who happens to be staying in your home, no work on the Sabbath. Okay, I was I was pretty busy yesterday. Um, My wife was certainly busy yesterday, Um, and I'm going to be pretty busy today. So what's going on? Why do we not keep the Sabbath law? Why why is that not a a part of of who we are? Well, I think there are several reasons. Number one. It's not our covenant, and we talked about this when we started uh, with the the uh, with the Ten Commandments that they're part of the old covenant, and we are not part we're not under the old covenant. We're under the new covenant in terms of Jesus' rule, in terms of Jesus' uh, role in us. Um, and, and it's interesting how that plays out, especially in the New Testament. Jesus reinforces or restates all uh, all the Ten Commandments except one, this one. This is the only commandment Jesus never restates. In fact, in several places he actually calls it into into question, in terms of how it was observed and how it was practiced within Judaism. Um, and so this this commandment kind of kind of stands out there, um, and, and we obviously we don't worship on Saturday because, as I said before, it's the Lord's Day, and, and there are uh, some references in Acts and in Corinthians. Uh, and in early church practice, that the church met on Sunday. And since the church met on Sunday, they were obviously not keeping the Sabbath. So you have Jesus' words, you have the the example of the new church, and and that shows that our covenant, under the new covenant, we don't really function under this law the same way we might some of the others. A a second reason is that um, our rest is found in the finished work of Jesus, not just a day. Jesus uh, is our Sabbath. He is the one who we find our rest in. What did he say? Come unto me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. And to his audience, probably speaking uh, in Aramaic or, or some Hebrew dialect, he probably said, I will give you Shabbat. I'll give you Sabbath. That would have been how they heard it. That's how they would have encountered it. He is the fulfillment of that. He is the expression of that. But as we've looked at these laws and we've seen that, again, we're not under the old covenant. We've seen how some of these things don't carry over straightforward to to who we are today in terms of the, the practice. We've argued over and over again that we need to follow it in terms of the principle. There's a principle here. There's something God is saying about who he is and who we are that is significant. And that doesn't change. That never changes. Because God just himself doesn't change. He is who he is, and he desires what he desires, and he reaches out as he reaches out to connect with us and to communicate with us. And so there is something of a principle here that we ought to follow, that we ought to observe and practice and preserve in terms of our in terms of our activity and in terms of our own lives and and what we do. But I would say even in that area of the principle there's a little bit of a disagreement. And it might be cultural, it might be generational. Look at the uh, and I don't know if you can see that from where you're seated, seated, but just look at the the Baptist faith and message statement. Okay this is supposed to be kind of our expression of who we are. It's not a creed. We're not bound to it by any means. But it's supposed to be an expression of who we are as Baptists. Okay? Uh, Kind of what we believe and what we practice. And in the 1963 Baptist faith and message concerning the Lord's Day, again, not, not the Sabbath, but the Lord's Day, it says, at the end there, it says, refraining from worldly amusements, resting from secular employments, work of necessity and mercy only being accepted. In other words, unless unless the work is for necessity, you just got to do it to, to, to survive or, you know, to, to work. Or unless it's an expression of mercy, then don't work. That's 1963, the Baptist take on, on kind of how this is supposed to be interpreted. But then you look at the 2000 statement. It says the same thing at the beginning, but then at the end it says, Activities on the Lord's Day should be commensurate with the Christian's conscience under the Lordship of Jesus Christ. In other words, you respond to the Lord's day and whether you work or not based upon how you kind of reflect and relate to God and, and how you believe that passage ought to be applied. And it's really the only place in the changes between 63 and the 2000 BFM, it's the only place where they loosened the regulation, the expectations. Every place else they tightened them up. But on that one, they loosened it. And so there is this this disconnect, I would say, in the church in terms of of how this actually works, you know, and and how this uh, applies and and where this fits. And so I want to suggest today some principles that that, that fall across biblical context and, and hopefully that we can agree to based upon Scripture's teaching, based upon how Christ has revealed Himself, some some principles that we can apply that would apply to all of us, that would apply to who God expects us to be as His people in terms of how it relates to the Lord's Day, how it relates to the Sabbath, in a sense. Uh, In Romans chapter 14, Paul says uh, to the church there, he says, some consider one day holy and some consider all days holy. And so even within the biblical revelation there you have this this play this this looseness concerning this particular issue. But I do think there are some principles here that we can follow. The first of these is that God has always wanted us to keep balance in our life. I think this law is about balance. You cannot have you cannot apply verse nine, you shall not do any work, without also applying verse eight, six days you shall labor. I think those need to be read together. They need to be read in, in the same breath. Okay, that what God is, is advocating here, what God is always advocating here, is is the, the mandate, the principle that we need to work hard. Okay. What did what did God say to, to Adam? In the garden. He says, I'm placing you here in the garden to what? To work it and to till it and to take care of it. And that's before the fall. Work is not a punishment from God. The fact that it can sometimes be miserable is part of the outgrowth of the fall. But work itself is part of how we're created. It's what we're built for. It's how we're constructed. It's an important part of our expression and, and, and people. And individuals who don't participate in some sort of activity, some sort of work, some sort of vocation, some sort of calling, some sort of investment of themselves in the world around them are, are not fulfilling God's expectations for who we're to be as humans. They're just not. And so he says, six days you work. Okay. But seventh day you rest. And and, and that's that, that's about that's about balance it's about number one, not letting your work become something that controls you, okay not letting your 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 vocation or some earthly reality be what guides your very nature in essence. our relationship to God should be what guides us. It should be what drives us and what what motivates us, but we should also learn to rest well to. To trust God for provision, I think there's different reasons why people might be what you call a workaholic. okay sometimes it's just kind of this compulsion that that drives them. sometimes it's worry about the bills or other things. Sometimes it's an escape for them. But if you remember what we said, back when we talked about making something else your God. We said there were certain things that that worked into that. There were certain realities that that would help us identify whether something was a God. And and if it's constantly your focus, if it's constantly your passion, if it's what you lean on for security, for hope and so forth, then that thing, whatever it is, no matter how good it might otherwise be, has become your God. And so Sabbath... The rest, I believe, is is part of that balance that that calls on us to to rest well and to trust God without going to the degree to where what? Where relaxation itself becomes something that consumes us. That can be a danger for some of us. That, well, I'm just all about chilling, relaxing, not really doing anything. That's not a godly balance either. Sabbath rest, the balance, is about saving ourselves from destroying ourselves by relying on the God that we serve. By trusting in Him and finding His direction and His purpose for our lives. And we need both sides of that if we're going to function and operate the way we've been called to. I think a second principle that comes out of this passage is that God has always wanted us to model our lives after his actions, the whole basis of this law is what that God created in six days, and on the seventh day, He rested. And, and that it, that expression there, that communication there, helps us to to see that that the basis, one of the bases of of this particular commandment, is God wants us to model who we are after who He is. That's what it means to be created. In the image of God. That's what it means to to be made into new creatures as Christians, is that we're what? We're not conformed to the image of this world, but we're transformed by the power of God to walk in a way that that reflects who He is. And this particular law, I think, more clearly than, than perhaps any of the others, more, I mean, not clearly, more overtly. more more overtly, more openly than any of the others makes that connection very clear. That we model our behavior. We model our walk. It's what God did, so it's what we do. And we do what? We keep it holy. We keep it sanctified. We keep it separate. There needs to be a time. There needs to be an experience. There needs to be a part of us that is set apart. Because in that being set apart, in that in that in that mindfulness of that moment, in that mindfulness of that time, it helps us to characterize the rest of our life as set apart as well. I don't know about you, but for me, you know, Sunday morning coming together and, and singing God's praises and, and opening his word and fellowshipping with my brothers and sisters, that helps me keep kind of in focus of of what I'm supposed to do Monday through Saturday as well. It helps me to see what I've been called to. Because not everybody's in this building. Not everybody's in the, the buildings around this town. Not everybody takes time out of their experience to acknowledge the God who is the Creator. And to realize that I've been given that privilege and that call and that challenge is, is to realize that God has done amazing things for me, and that He has granted me rest over and over and over again. The third principle is that, our, along with that, is that our lives do need specific times of thankfulness for God and what He's done. When you read this command in in Deuteronomy chapter 5, Deuteronomy 5, if you're not aware, is a a repetition of the Ten Commandments. It's a restatement of them, as as Moses expresses them. And and listen to to the addition that Moses puts there in Deuteronomy 5, verse 15, to the Sabbath command. You shall remember that you were a slave in the land of Egypt, and Yahweh your God brought you out from there with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm, Therefore, Yahweh your God commanded you to keep the Sabbath day. God rescued you. He redeemed you. He called you out. And because he's done that, you need a time of gratitude. You need a time of thankfulness. You need a time of reshaping, redirecting, reguiding your attitude. That will then manifest itself in your actions, and so keeping the keeping the Sabbath, keeping the keeping the, the the principle of the Sabbath. Let me put it that way involves celebration. Now I want to be careful there, as every time I I, I say that sentence, that being here and and praising God and and those sorts of things involves celebration. I think sometimes. In our culture especially, we we receive the wrong message. Yes, we celebrate the fact that Christ has redeemed us. We celebrate the fact that Christ has rescued us. And and we're mindful of that, and, and we're grateful for that, and we're appreciative of that. And that's a big part of who we are. But that doesn't mean that we can't ever express sorrow in this room, too. Life is hard. And we've we faced those hardships and those difficulties, those trials and those tribulations. And sometimes we just don't know what to do with them. Our family disappoints us or goes in directions we, we didn't want them to go. Or you know, work just didn't go really well that week. Our boss was on our case or something like that or... We're dealing with some sort of physical ailment, or some some one of our loved ones is hurting and is sick, or we've lost a loved one. And I think we've bought into this perception, this mindset in the church so often that that because this is to be a time of celebration, that means that we can't bring those sorrows and those griefs in here. And, and I want to be very clear that that's that's not the case at all. If there's one place we should be able to bring our burdens and our hurts. It's this room. It's this fellowship. To find encouragement from our brothers and sisters. To find rest that Jesus Himself promised. The rest we need is not just rest from work and labor. It's from the toils of life. The struggles of life. We need that. And in that, we can find the joy and the peace even in the midst of our hurts we can find the the cause for celebration even in the midst of our disappointments and struggles and so work or excuse me sabbath rest can can sometimes just be an expression of thankfulness but that doesn't have to happen just in you. You can find that even as you work. There's the old saying, um, "Find a find a job you love, and you'll never have to work a day in your life." And, and I have to say, I'm I'm blessed to have been able to do that as your pastor and as a professor at ETBU. Both of those together, I, I love what I do. It's 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 energizing to me. In so many ways, and I know some of you have that at your work, but I know also some of you have that as your hobby, your 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 vocation. That's not necessarily your job, but it's it's kind of your calling. Whether it's working in your yard, or you know, babysitting your grandkids, or um, you know, baking, or or building, or woodwork, or all sorts of things. That 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 that's that's work and yet what we find rest in that we find rejuvenation in that we find connection in that why because we're celebrating who God has made us we're celebrating what God has given us what God has gifted us with and as we do that as we do it to the Lord and as we do it for his glory and his honor we find the rest that we need And so we come back to where we started it's about balance Balancing all those things, our, our spiritual mind, our physical uh, health and realities, our emotional health and realities. It's it's about finding that that balance between investment of ourselves and rest, renewal from that. If there's one thing I, I do want to 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 Born against or or offer in terms of direction is by talking about keeping this rest, Lord's Day, Sabbath rest, however you want to express it. I'm not inviting you to a religion. I'm not inviting you to rules. We know from history that by the 3rd century, Judaism had over 600 laws concerning the Sabbath this one law was turned into over 600 rules because they simply asked the question what does it mean to work we have to define what work is right and so you uh, you know one of the rules the one that that always gets me is spitting they had rules concerning spitting. You could spit in the grass and you're okay. But if you spat on the dirt, that turned the soil, so that's plowing the soil, so that's work. Okay? That was one of my favorite Talmudic expressions of this law. And I, I saw something interesting when I when I was in Israel. You have what are called their Sabbath elevators. Okay, so you're on a trip and um, it's the Sabbath. You're out, you're staying in a hotel, it's the Sabbath, you can't, you know, you, you want to keep the Sabbath, you want to be observant, but you're in a hotel so you got to eat, so you got to go down to the dining area or whatever to eat or into that area and so forth, Okay, but if you're an observant Jew, hitting that button works machinery. And working machinery is work. And so you don't do it, so you have what's called the Sabbath elevator. This was an elevator that stops at every floor going up and every floor going down. So you're just along for the ride. You're not actually working. It. okay? it. And in that way, you're keeping the Sabbath. Now again, their heart, their desire, again, their heart and their desire is to, is to honor the Lord and what He's called them to. And, and a lot of times that's our heart and our desire when we're talking about you know protecting ourselves and, and acting wisely and preserving ourselves. You know we'll, we'll build these hedges. you know for Baptists for a long time, it was what? Don't dance. We had a dance on our campus this week.. Okay. But for a long time, you didn't dance. Why did you not dance? Because dancing led to the bushes. That's what I was told. Okay? What were we doing? We were trying to honor the Lord. We were trying to act wisely in our life, just as the, the Israelis are with their Sabbath elevators. They're trying to honor the Lord. But how do we actually honor the Lord? We actually honor the Lord by recognizing the freedom that He's granted us, by recognizing the grace that we live by living lives that reflect that love and that freedom and that joy rather than the imposition and the, the, the constraints and the, and the weights that we so often want to put on ourselves. Jesus has set us free. He has redeemed us. And we're still called to, to practice wisdom. We're still called to act live with godly lives. We're still called to all these principles here. But it's a difference in emphasis. It's a difference in priorities. It's a difference in our goal. Let your light so shine before men that they see your your works and they praise your Heavenly Father. When we turn the laws of God or the, the expressions of God or the communication of God into these oppressive realities, nobody's going to praise the Father because of that. They're going to praise the Father in the joy that they see in us, in the rest that they see us experiencing. That's what God is calling us to. And this morning as as we, we come to the, the end of the message, I, I just want to encourage you this week As you go about your week and you do your work and you find your rest, to simply ask yourself, is how I'm doing this expressing the balance that God has called me to? Is what I'm doing here, is it expressing the priorities that God would have me express? Am I am I revealing his holiness? Am I revealing his grace? Am I expressing his love and his deliverance in what I do and also in what I don't do? Both are reflections of what God has called us to. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, God, I do thank you that you are a God who grants us peace and rest. I'm thankful for the deliverance that you offer. I'm thankful for the life that you give. God, I pray that you help us to to walk in the balance of our relationship with you and our relationship to this world. To make you a priority in all we do and to, and to make you a priority in all that we don't do. Lord, help us to reveal and to reflect and to communicate your goodness to a world that so desperately needs to find the rest that you alone can offer. Help us to see ourselves through the lens of who you made us and who you called us to be. And help us to walk with boldness in that knowledge and understanding. And it's in Christ's name we pray these things. Amen.